Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business gold card. Yep. Happy Monday. Boys are back in town. Yes. We're back in town. What's the deal? What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another glorious Monday. It's a big week. Another one. Another one. That's a fact. That's a fact. It is the 22nd of May. A beautiful day in New York. We had a little bit of rain over the weekend. Sunday was beautiful. Today is beautiful. Yeah. I think the rest of the week is looking beautiful. It's raining in Washington if they don't come up with something for this debt uh, ceiling deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of things. There was a storm brewing. Friday, we saw a little bit of the storm. It's going to be more than the storm if they don't figure this thing out. Absolutely. It's going to be more than the storm. So YouTube was got... popping. We are live. <laughs> we are live. <laughs> Shout out to the tube, man. Yeah. Shout out to the tube. Yes, yes. <clears throat> a lot to get into, um, as always. Another glorious Market Mondays. Spread the word. Like Paul Rivera. Um, so here's the deal. We got a lot to cover tonight. Uh, so I'll be brief. Um, but uh welcome to the shout out show, sponsored by <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the Charlemagne the God show. 
<laughs> the Charlemagne the God Breakfast Show. The Charlemagne the God Breakfast Show. I don't know what's going on with that. The last Yo. time I tried to play Peacemaker with Envy, I got in trouble. <laughs> I'm gonna be quiet. I, I, think it's, I saw Lord. today. I, I saw him run up there with the the CEO uh, outfit. Man, it's hopefully it's all fun and games. They do this in light, and uh, people go support both shows. But uh, it's definitely is a is a comedy show. It's definitely pure comedy. Car show heavy in the street. The car show beef is heavy. <laughs> Be careful with the car shows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Rose. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Rose. Like, so, uh, Rose. Huh? Huh? Mm. All right, man. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, the car show beef can uh remain civil. Yeah. There's one his is this week. Envy's is this week. Envies is this week. Shout out to the whole city of Memphis. Rose's is next week. Um, all right. <clears throat> so let's get into this. <sighs> they put the envious. Envious. <laughs> envious. Somebody call Atlantic Devs Tavio. Oh man. Shout out to both of them guys, man. Beige rage. So um London. London, yes. the time is fastly approaching. Father's Day is the day when we will be invading London. There's a few tickets left, so get your tickets. Um, it's on Father's Day, so it's a great experience to for your father, your dad. If you're a dad, if you're a wife, you know you should bring your husband, whatever. Um, bring yeah. your kids. Uh, it's a great it's a great way to spend Father's Day. What other way would you want to spend Father's Day? Yeah. Than in London for Market yeah. Mondays Live, learning, expanding. Your wisdom. So yes. click link in bio. Uh, get your tickets to Market Mondays live on June 18th yes. in London. That is the third right, stop the on, the, on the world tour. Not yeah. not your girl's tour. Please. The world tour. <laughs> Please. It's a world don't, tour. Don't confuse the two. It's a difference. There is a difference. There is a difference. There is a big difference. Um, Peacock Theater. That is a spot. Shout out to Peacock Theater. That's where we'll be at. <sighs> this week, big week for Earn Your Leisure. Um, Ice Cube, the Dawn Mega Cube, the Dawn Mega Cube, Ice Cube, a legend in three games. Yes. Uh, a legend in four games, actually. When you look at rap, mm -hmm. when you look at acting, mm -hmm. when you look at directing, yes. and now when you look at owning a sports league. Legendary. Um, a legend in three games, in four games. Four games. So uh, shout out to Ice Cube. Man, body of work speaks for itself, man. From Boys in the Hood to NWA yeah. to Friday to the big three. Don't forget Barbershop. Don't forget. Oh, uh, yeah, Barbershop. I, I mean, you forget some of these things. You got yeah. 40, no, three, three Kings, is, we overlooked that, but that was a great movie. You got Are We There Yet? Like, I, I was talking to That's Ab. He was one. like, he remembers Ice Cube from Are We There Yet? Like he knew Friday, but like yo, they grew up on we there yet. So it's like this guy's when we talk about generational talent, we said that with, with SH, it was like he had um Apollo and then he had the shows and then he had Kings of Comedy, and then he obviously did the talk show, but then Family Feud became the thing for a generation. Ice Cube has that similar thing, like he's cross generational with his, his level of talent. Ice Cube is like right. 40 years, 40 films, 40 Crazy. films. Yeah. So make sure you check that out tomorrow. Earn your leisure YouTube channel or podcast outlets. Eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time, five o'clock on the West Coast. Tap in. That's gonna be a motion picture. Yeah. Um we can't forget Players Club too. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to my brother. Shout out to my brother. 
Shout out to my brother Baron Davis who allowed us to um use his studio for that. Shout that was good, good dude right there. And um, Cali, we coming back out there. We was in Cali last weekend. We coming back this weekend. Um, Africon. We can't announce that. Uh, everything is top secret, but uh, <laughs> more bomb pond head top. More bomb pond head top. You might see Ian out there. Perhaps. <clears throat> you might Highly see him. West Hollywood Hove. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what we talk about. Perhaps. It's a chance. It's this a chance. Be a good one. Get the Dover. Get the Dover ready. Um, so, yeah, Cali, we're coming back. We're coming back out there. Show your love. And, uh, Invest Fest. Yes, get your tickets. There are 10 booths left. Um, and nobody called Rashad and Troy about mine. We're not playing this year. <laughs> <laughs> no. We we announced last week that uh Michael Novogratz uh the third billionaire to be added to the roster. Um, it's billionaire season. Somebody said we created our own Davos. It's looking like Likely. Davos with flavor, 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 vos, flavor, vos. Um, so uh, this is it's it's hard oh, yeah. to it's hard to explain how difficult this is. I sometimes when you do things consistently, it it goes overlooked. You get jaded by it, and people are like, well, I'm like, yo, it's hard to get one billionaire. It's almost impossible to get three. Billionaires, yep, and counting, and counting. Yo, like, key, keyword and counting. Yes, and not including Bridgeport. Have you seen Bridgeport every single finals game ever with Adele, like front row, <laughs> like <laughs> cooking, you know. Bridge His cross tour different too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> man, man. It's it's. Uh, I'm just really looking forward to just the networking and just being. I'm I'm looking forward to being in the room with so many different people, so I could. Share some information, get some contacts, and really just rub shoulders with, with some people. Yeah. Um, so that, that's just the billionaires. Hold on, will Adele be Wait. there? Uh, I mean, it's, well, a, it's, it's always a possibility. You I, never know. I, I, he, she's with him a lot. I what, would say that we got we got billionaires, right? But we got non-figure people too. Let's not forget about that. Like, we can't overlook like what SH is doing, and we know where he's headed on that yeah. that race to a billion. Junior Bridgman's in the building, y'all. Junior Bridgman. Yeah. That's 850 million upon your head top. Like, and we're not done. We're not done. Wow. Yeah, really not. Uh, 19, key, 19 keys will be in the building. Ian Dunlap will be in the building. Ash Cash, MG the Mortgage Guy. Don't forget the home team. Uh, uh, Kiana Watson, Ronnie Brown. Yeah. To BT Stevens. To BT Stevens. Shout out yes. to my boy, BD. Oh man, this is this is gonna be one of them ones, man. And I heard <laughs> this year my team won't get locked out of the show. Ah, <laughs> good job, dude. I'm done. There's a good chance. It's a good chance. It's a good chance. It's a good chance. Uh, so yeah, so get your get your tickets. Um, and we'll see you. We'll see you at Invest Fest for sure. Uh, you ready? All right, y'all know those words. Do your own research. This is a disclaimer. This is a disclaimer brought to you by the good brothers at Earn Your Leisure and the good brother Ian Dunlap, the master investor himself. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon. 
whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise, please do the research. Uh, and when it's great research, share it. And when you find it from somebody else, give them the credit. Shout out to everybody that's tapped in. MG, what's going on with the super chat? <laughs> my brother, what's good, baby? Uh, Ian, any announcements? Yes. Uh, shout out to my Red Panda family. I appreciate you guys being here. Go crazy in the chat. No Stuck Club called this week as I'm preparing to move. And I got to go to L.A., so that's that. Um, London is going to be amazing. I'm going to cover how to trade the London market and be profitable there and get your tickets to InvestFest. This probably will be one of my best performances and I've had two legendary performances back to back. So let's go. And if I made you money, please put yes in chat. Put yes in chat. Back did we mention that Jeezy will be performing? We did not. Legendary. Yeah. Legendary. We did not. Let's get into this. Um, in light of Sam Zell's passing, mm -hmm. uh, what are two top lessons learned from Sam? that have had big impact on our lives and investing philosophy. And you want to explain who Sam is? Yeah, Sam is probably, I would call him probably like the Warren Buffett of like real estate investing. So he passed, I think this past Friday. Mm -hmm. um, probably doesn't get talked about enough, but when you look at scale, Sam Zell, everyone go Google him. He, to me, is like the Warren Buffett of real estate investing. So for me, um, please write this in chat. All investors share the same path and same lessons. So the two that impacted me the most is be a contrarian, but be right. So when everyone is thinking to go one direction, Sam found areas to invest in that a lot of people were not looking at. So I can correlate this like when Bitcoin was at 60,000 and I was saying that it would go to like 20,000. Um, it was a contrarian call at that time to say that it would drop that far. But the money is made when you are a contrarian and you're right. And number two, um, seek opportunities during a massive downtrend. One of the things I've noticed in his career, he's looking for things that are like 40 to 50% off of what the real value is correlated. And I think all of us as investors in the stock market can relate. We all want a great deal, but his discipline to wait for a downturn to throw and deploy a lot of capital at one time was one of the biggest lessons I've uh, taken away um, from him. I wish we could have got him on a show. Mm. Um, he's good, you know. Warren's getting up there in age. We, we have some famed investors that are like getting a little bit older. So I want to make a concerted effort over these next six months to get some of these legends on here. But these were the two lessons uh, for me. Be a contrarian, be right, and seek opportunities during a downturn. I love it. You know what the biggest lesson I feel like, and we all can learn from it? Buy low and sell high. Yep. Like his career was based on buying low and selling high. And so... He's known as the Grave Dancer. Like, that was his name. Like, they, I pulled up an article from 2001 yep. uh, from the Wall Street Journal where he was buying distressed commercial real estate, yes. right? And just accumulating it. Later on in the 2000s, he started buying cheap companies. But you want, you want to talk about buy low, sell high? In 2007, right, he had his, uh, his office holding company, uh, Equity Office Properties. Yep. He sold it. This is 2007. The year is very key. He sold it for $39 billion, one of the largest ever leveraged buyouts at the time. You know what happened in 2008? A little recession. A little small. You ever, a little you ever, heard, of, you ever, ever heard of a real estate collapse? Yep. The year before, he sold his company for $39 billion oh, yeah. based on those assets that he accumulated from buying distressed commercial real estate. So the timing of it is all, it, it was, I mean, I, I don't yeah. think you get any better than that, right? A no. year prior, he, he, he makes $40 billion. But then buying cheap companies and doing the same thing. 
And so as I'm looking at the overall theme of it, the history of his career, it's like he's buying low mm-hmm. every single time, finding value in what people don't think there's value in, and he's selling high each I mean, and every time. He bought a lot post the dot-com crash of 2000, sold his company for $39 billion in 2007. 2008 happens, and he still goes on a great tear after that. Like one of the best careers I've ever seen in investing. Um, God rest his soul. But yeah, his uh his information information and lessons will be life changing for everyone here. If you're in real estate, please go study everything about him. But if you're in the market as well, he has some great lessons there for you. Go search whatever his top ten rules were for investing. It's definitely going to have an impact on your career. You know what it also made me think of Ian. And shot, you probably maybe chime in. When we were having this conversation at uh, Market Mondays Live in LA, when we were talking about the st- the status of commercial real estate, yep. And uh, Dave's response was like, "It's in trouble. It's in huge trouble. There's going to be somebody who has this game plan, who studied him, that now will be able to implement that strategy. Yep. Because we're headed toward that, right? Where interest rates are high, people are not going back into offices. Commercial real estate is going to be, it's going to take a hit, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's uh, projections. So somebody's going to be watching this and saying, all right." When everybody is feeling fearful, it's time to be greedy. I do do have a correction to make about the commercial real estate market. Last week, I said 45% of uh, San Francisco real estate is vacant is actually 35%. 30 million square feet in San Francisco is currently vacant. If that is not a bubble, I don't know what is. So I was off by 10%. The real number is 35% and counting. The opportunity. Opportunity to be there. The opportunity. Yep. yep. There it is. Um, rest in peace to Jim Brown, also. Yeah, I was gonna get there. Yeah. I was gonna get there. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So let's get into this. Elon hires a new CEO to run Twitter. Um to ignite his executive burden, to lighten his executive burden. Um, when do you believe we will begin to see a quick uptick? in tesla as a result so being that he um is stepping down from his responsibility as twitter's top person yeah uh, many people think that that's one of the reasons why tesla has struggled um is because he couldn't give his full attention to tesla so how will this or will it have an impact on tesla and then we could talk about tesla's stock also yeah um i think it'll have a great impact on tesla for sure Twitter was a bit of a drag. Now, of course, there's a lot of controversy around the CEO, her ties. I don't want to go into that yet. We can maybe talk about that later. But I think in about six months, um, he'll find his bearings back in Tesla. I think they'll start to do a better job of bringing some more people on board um, to help the company. I mean, if I'm looking right now, I think Tesla's at 188. I mean, it's bounced from that low of... 107 but it's nowhere near it should be like tesla should at least be at 205 and just hovering around there um but i think in about six months you will see a uptick in tesla so like if you're looking to buy i will wait for maybe that 148 to 150 price to buy in and i will hold for long term give it about six months i think once linda does her job uh she has a great advertising background mm-hmm. um so I think he can take his eyes off of there and let her run that business. And then he can focus on Tesla and SpaceX and other ventures that he has. But I think this will lighten his load, maybe 20 to 30% and will allow him to put his all into Tesla. So that stock can get back to the upside. Yeah. I think it's important to understand the why and the higher, 
right? So if you're looking at why, and I don't want to mispronounce her name, but Linda Yaccarino, how's yes. that? Is that close, Yaccarino? Got it. All right, so she, where does she come from? She comes from NBC Universal, where she was the head of ad uh, advertising sales business. She generated over $100 billion while she was there over the past 12 years. Um, she's helped launch Peacock, um, which we know it's a streaming service. And yeah. when we watch streaming services, Peacock, Hulu, whatever, we know that there's advertising dollars to be made. And so why the hire? Because if you look at what has happened to Twitter since Elon's decided to take over, he has lost millions and billions of dollars in yeah. advertising. So here is the number, <laughs> the specific number of its top 1,000 advertisers, 625 of them have pulled ads from the platform. That Jesus was Christ. right. So that was as of mid-February, right? So what is that equal in dollars from that? Um, from that time, that's about uh, 60% drop-off. 60% drop-off in ad dollars. So they went from about 127 million to 48 million just in the uh, just from October to mid-February, maybe late March. So we're just talking all that money is gone. And so if I'm thinking of a hire, it's interesting because she actually interviewed him about a month ago. And mm -hmm. that probably is what sparked her as, as somebody that would be a good fit for them. You're looking for a space where you're losing money. Where are we bleeding from? We're not getting ad dollars. This is somebody who's established in this space. This is somebody who has proven it. This makes sense for them, right? Yeah. It, it, it makes sense for them. So as far as Twitter stock, we'll have to see. We got to see. Six to 12 months, I would, I would at least give it before we start to see some of those ramifications. If you lose 60% of your ad dollars, that's a problem. How, yeah, fast, ever, yeah. how fast can you get those back? Well, we'll yeah. see if she's able to leverage her relationships that he, she's had throughout her career. And in comparison to Meta and Google, the ad revenue wasn't that great. Twitter Blue has been, can we say, a failure? I don't want to offend anybody over at Twitter. All right, got a call today from J.P. Morgan. So trying to stay on everybody's good side. But um, I think she'll be able to turn the ship around if she, if he lets her run it. Um, those relationships that she does have on a economic forum side will help as well, even though a lot of people are attacking that. I'm not. You know, I keep my commentary to the side for that. But all those relationships are going to come in key. He's going to have to take his hands off of that to be able to run Tesla because Tesla is really the cash cow. Mm. What do you guys think about his comments about um, him saying, I'm going to speak my mind and if it costs me money, so be it. On CNBC. Been, I think he's been yeah. doing that. I feel like that's been the blueprint. <laughs> yeah. I, don't think it, I don't think it costs him money. I think, uh, you know, he's he's been speaking his mind for a long time. I think that's part of his brand. He's like the new Donald Trump. Really, if you think about it, Donald Trump has occupied that space for 20 years as far as the celebrity business person that could say whatever he want, you know, just kind of do crazy different things, become a celebrity. Uh, Donald Trump is the first celebrity business person ever, right? He's the first celebrity. The first? Who else? Who else was Celebrity? You tell me. I mean, you, you can put it in YouTube. You can put it in the YouTube comments too. I'm saying that Donald Trump was the first celebrity business person. Now, if I'm wrong, put in the put in the. Mean, we can I, we, we can agree that Donald Trump is a celebrity, right? Yes. Okay, so if oh, I'm God. wrong, but the first is crazy though. If I'm wrong, who was a celebrity before him from business? From business, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Exactly. It well, it depends. It depends, right? Because Magic Johnson, what? He's no, no, Magic I'm saying what I'm saying <laughs> is that people that were not all right, most celebrities traditionally come from acting, music, 
or sports, right? Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that without any of that background, without being an athlete, mm -hmm. without being an entertainer, yeah. you became a celebrity for becoming a business person. Would Walt Disney fit in that category? I don't think Walt Disney was really a celebrity. Of that time. I he mean, celebrity. famous. That's what I'm saying. Celebrity. Well, well okay. no. When I, I say, when I say celebrity, as far yeah. as you were seeing, this is when Mike Tyson was knocking people out in 30 seconds. You were seeing Donald Trump at the front. That's the, why I said that the timing of it is different, right? Because a lot of these things didn't exist. Well, you Media wasn't, wasn't the he same. He wasn't a celebrity. There wasn't a celebrity. So, I'm just saying that for his time. So was he the first celebrity, yes or no? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess by definition of what a celebritant is, yeah. I, I, I mean, celebrity. It would be tough to argue that. Vince McMahon is up there. I think that he was before Vince McMahon, though. But Vince McMahon's up there. Yeah, Vince McMahon is up there. He's up there. First person I thought it was P.T. Barnum, but that may be Hugh, way before. Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Hefner. Yeah. Hugh Hefner yeah, that's up. great. Somebody just put Rockefeller, but again, it's a different Rock time. Yeah, it's a di Hugh Hefner is a good is a good. Hugh Hefner's a good one. That might that's one, and that's before him. Yeah, and that's all business. But did he reach the heights of full? That that I think, I think became, that came later. No, nah, no, nah, that he was like seventy years. He was like seventy years old. Nah, but I'm saying in the he's late 70s, when did early he become 80s, a celebrity? Like 70s. He became a celebrity in the 70s? 70s yeah, yeah, because the mansion was a thing. That's fair. I mean, if, if if he's not the first, he's in the, he's in the top five, for sure. Randy Savage. <sighs> oh, okay. yeah. I said Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Don Macho King. Man. Don King's a good one, but Don I think... That was an eighty. So that's when that whole celebrity business person thing started in the eighties. Really, it like became really a thing. So, but I'm making a point is that Elon Musk is Donald Trump on steroids. He's the he's the <laughs> celebrity with way more money. I don't know if that's the comp he wants. I'm just saying, as far as yeah. he's 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 able to do things like Donald Trump was just talking about stuff like he's Donald Trump with a trillion dollars. Like he has control of. The most powerful EV company. He has control of one of the most powerful media companies. Um, he's the richest, second richest person in the world, give or take. Um, I Will feel he like he's divisive when he gets into politics. Of course, he's a divisive person. Period. Elon Musk is always. He's never been. He's always been pretty divisive. Um, but I think that that's part of that's part of the enigma of him. Right. Yeah. Most people in business. Are not celebrities. Most people in business, you don't know who they are. They're behind the scenes. You might, you might know who, you know, person is Jimmy Iovine. You know who he is, but he's not putting himself out there every single day. Elon Musk is just tweeting about anything and going on any podcast and doing radio shows and smoking weed on Joe Rogan's show. So, I think that he's he's positioned himself as not only the most powerful person in business. Um, but one of the biggest celebrities in the world, and that's that's a dangerous combination. Mm -hmm. We've yeah. never really seen that. We've never seen that before. We've never seen somebody have power and influence at this scale. Yeah, he surpasses the influence for sure. That Steve, oh, yeah. Steve Jobs like by fifty x. So I agree. I agree. It's, hard, it's hard to do both. Yeah, it's difficult to do both. And like I said, the timing of it, like he he was adept to take advantage of the time that he was in. Mm -hmm. We we can't knock that. And some, stop putting Jerry Jones in there, please. Jerry Jones wasn't I mean, he didn't even own the Cowboys till 1989, 1990. 
and they didn't win till '92, and then he became well known. These these I guys. Mean, he years late. You got to give him some credit. Now. I know. I'm saying wow. at the time, these guys had gotcha. they already had started that that ascension. Gotcha. Okay. And 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 I'm a Washington fan. And the thing is that <laughs> there's never been a black celebrity entrepreneur. Damon John has probably come the closest. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a full fledged celebrity, but he's he's come the closest. Yeah, there's never been a black A-list celebrity as an entrepreneur yet. Keyword yet. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Kanye West. Yeah, he's Kanye. A, he's a he's a um artist. I'm talking about have nothing to do with art. Like oh, Robert, outside of all. Like gotcha. Robert. Gotcha. Like Robert, Robert Smith. Smith. Gotcha. Like Don Peebles. Gotcha. Like gotcha. these type of people. Gotcha. Kanye West is a celebrity from music. I'm talking about an entrepreneur that became a celebrity. That's that's their primary. Okay. okay. Also, homework assignment really quick. What is the multiple that you receive on investing in stocks that do have celebrity CEOs? Jeff Bezos isn't coming back to Amazon. Broke my heart. He got engaged this weekend. Steve Jobs is one. Elon is another. Um, but you can argue Bob Iger is one. But there is a differential in multiple. And if you invest in a company that does have a celebrity CEO, if they are in the top 100, the homework for this week is to figure out what multiple you would get on that return. I take it back. Don King was a celebrity and Russell Simmons was a celebrity also. They were both celebrities. In the 80s? In 90s too. 90s for sure. Yeah. 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 Somebody said us. Fastly approaching. Yes. Um, Appreciate you, Tim. So, <laughs> so um, Tesla, let's talk about Tesla stock. What's the outlook on Tesla stock? Um, I love it. It's one of my favorites, but they do need focus. Focus. Um, I've always said they need another. I think the team that they have is amazing, but I think they need another operator and someone that will challenge Elon a lot more. Um, I want to see the the deliveries go up for sure. I mean, from that high of four fourteen, they also do need like one thing. I will say, uh, incredibly positive about Kathy Woods. She was the catalyst for Tesla becoming a darling in the hedge fund space when it was not at one time, the same way the car icon did for Apple. So they do need an advocate, number one, in the hedge fund space to make them grow. They need a great operator. Um, I know he said or teased that they may do advertising. I don't think that that is a solution. I want to see them make a couple of changes to the business model and get the revenue or the profit margins up on each vehicle. And if they can do that, I think they'll be back at 300, maybe like in three or four years because if they're not going to call a recession anytime soon and just finagle with the numbers um because what i think they want to do is state that we were in recession now we're out of it just in time for like the political season if they announce that then in probably three or four years that they should well three years they'd be back at 300 and i think they can take off and go to the moon so you're a believer in tesla stock always have been always never gonna change yeah i mean i think we spoke about it maybe a month ago when we talked about the new business model you know, we were talking about the price changing and lowering the prices on some of the models that coming into the profit margins that it was a few recalls. But I think the, the most anticipated thing is the announcement. Like, I feel like they're on the verge of that. Like there's an announcement for a new product. I think that's that. That's just that drop that fucking truck. Excuse my language. <laughs> but it's been three years or two years. The semi? Yeah. The semi or the actual. The, the, the cyber truck. The cyber truck. Yeah. I, I, but we know that's coming. I'm just saying that. What is the new thing? Is it the bike? Is it is it something that is going to spark the interest of new investors? Because the people who believe in Tesla, oh, they, I mean, 
there's a brand loyalty to it right people yeah. are always going to believe in it how do you get the new investors involved how do you like you said how do you get funds to be excited about it who is the new person who is the kathy wood for the next generation of tesla to make sure that it's in every fund carl icon needs a turnaround so you should probably yeah. and, and i'm gonna be honest i don't know how tim cook didn't take that meeting four years ago to buy a tesla i do not know how like that's tim has done a great job i know i always find a way to talk about apple but man if apple would have bought tesla four years ago he wouldn't take the meeting wouldn't take the meeting revenue strong like revenue year over year is up is at 38.3 percent um market cap is great institutional ownership is low though only 44% of institutions own Tesla. If they can get that up to like 65%, it'd be a home run. Be a home run. Yeah. Well, keep an eye on Tesla. And the last thing about the celebrity thing is that even if you notice our, the black celebrities, it's still sports and entertainment related. Like Russell Simmons ran a record label. Mm -hmm. Damon Dash ran a record label. Don King was a boxing promoter. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but it's still kind of it's still kind of tied to being a sports an athlete kind of or, or a rapper, even though you're not. It's kind of like it's it's very few people that have reached that level of stardom outside of the world of sports and entertainment. Yeah. Um, or black sky sports and entertainment until we even. So he said it to us. You got to be able to crack the code. It's extremely difficult to crack a celebrity code. It's not easy. Yeah. It's extremely, extremely difficult. If but, you can collect, a, crack the celebrity code and pair it with what industry, one that you're not looking to attack, what industry do you think would be a good one for the audience to go after? What do you, what, can you rephrase the, the question? Yeah, yeah. So if you collect, if you crack the celebrity code and pair it with one sector, what sector should they get into to have like a high probability of being like that celebrity CEO? And if you're African American or Latin American. I think that every industry now you have an ability to become a celebrity. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do Instagram because I saw that social media um, gave you the opportunity to become a celebrity chef, a celebrity personal trainer, a celebrity lawyer, a celebrity financial advisor, a celebrity real estate broker. Um, I, I think you can become a celebrity in any area, but it's, it's extremely difficult because you have to crack a code. It's a matrix. You have to crack a code that has not really been cracked ever. Um, where there's like, if you play basketball, there's a pathway for you to become a celebrity. Another thing, this is the part that nobody wants to talk about as far as the celebrity. Most celebrities have bosses. So it's difficult to become a celebrity if you own your own entity because you're not getting pushed the same way. Like the NBA is pushing NBA players. It's a pipeline. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like record labels are pushing musicians. Uh, it's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. It's in their best interest to make sure that these people are stars. It's not in a person's best interest to make sure that an entrepreneur is a star because they don't, they're not underneath their umbrella. Like I'm not getting paid for this. So why am I going to, why is it going to benefit me to make you a star? This is when strategic alliances come into play, but this, this is getting to a point where I'm just giving away too much game because now you, you're treading in very thin water. So let's just get away from this. Let's get away from this. The answer is media. <laughs> Great job media. That's it. Okay. So why is it important to invest in the same few stocks 
consistently mm-hmm. um, in the yearly returns of NVIDIA, Apple, uh, Lily, Microsoft, and AMD. So, oh uh, yeah, a lot, like, why is it important just to drill down on, on only a few stocks instead of like spreading it very thin? Ian, can I just give the percentages before you do that? Yes, please. Let's run these down. And so, like, we can start with the why. All right, NVIDIA, year to date, up 117%. God damn. Apple, <laughs> year to date, up 40%. E&D. Eli Lilly, up 18% year to date. Microsoft, up 34% year to date. AMD, semiconductor, up 68% year to date. Yeah. yeah, so when you spread yourself too thin, um, the, the, please write this down. Like, the, the more decisions you make and the more variables you put into your portfolio, the biggest, bigger the risk you have for disaster. So we'll talk about Micron later. But so earlier when I was like, hey, NVIDIA, AMD, those are the only two that I like. And people were like, well, what about this one? What about Micron? What about um, Intel? It's like Micron was a great player the last decade. Now it's too much risk. And now China says, hey, we're not going to touch them. They've been at war with China for a long time as well. And this is part of that blowback. So you want to follow like a few companies, like in your portfolio, your watch list, even when you're trading, like if you trade in stocks or options, you only want to have eight maximum, even on like the future side, you really can like master four to eight futures to trade. But once I see people like have, we've all seen the portfolio, like 20 stocks, 30 stocks, the bad stocks can eat away all of your great gains. And when you should have been deploying capital into the ones that work the best, you may have taken a gamble on like a marijuana stock. And I do think that the weed stock space will have some value, but it needs federal legislation to be passed first in order for them to go up in value. So it's really important to pare down on two sectors more than anything. That's why I always say like two tech, two index. Apple and Microsoft have done incredibly well. Also, if I look at the long-term return of these over... Like Apple is up over a five-year period, 245%. Like the longer you hold these companies, and I know it's not the sexy thing, it's not exciting in the interim, but like if I look over a three-year period, Apple's up 123.7%. Like that's a great return for a trillion dollar company. And also, if you because I know maybe two years ago, uh rotation was a big thing that people were talking about and that's for hedge funds because they have to deploy capital every quarter but as a retail investor or a non-fund or not institution it's better to find you four or five good players put all of your money into those and then that way when they finally take off that third or fourth year you can be there for the upside like imagine if you caught tesla in 2018 like adjusted for pricing to go through right now um in 2018 it was the equivalent of like 23 dollars Tesla's at 188 right now. In 2020, it got to 414.50 as an all-time high. Less is more in investing. Same thing in real estate. Like for those that I know that are doing incredibly well in real estate, they focus on a few cities. They're not doing Topeka, Kansas, and Crown Point, Indiana. Shout out to all my people back home. And they're not doing East St. Louis. And they're not doing the Bronx. Like you have to figure out where your niche is, even in investing. And the more you do that, the more gains you'll end up making as a result. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I mean, just from a standpoint, especially for a lot of people that are beginning, it's tough to study. I mean, there's over 4,000 companies, mm-hmm. right? To try to invest in 40 of them and really understand what these companies are doing and understand the fundamentals. It's impossible. I mean, you, know, you just don't even have the time for it. I, I, I was reading something on Warren Buffett um, about his tri- uh, trip to China. I mean, trip to Japan, excuse me. 
and he was saying, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, about how he's investing in this economy. And he was like, look, I'm investing in companies that are investing in companies. They've done the homework for me. Yep. Now I just got to do my little my research. And if they function in a way I can understand it, then it sounds like a sound investment. Yeah. I'm not trying to study every company that's in this market. I got a few that I understand. I understand mm-hmm. them fundamentally. I understand the business model. I like the future. Yep. I'm going to invest in that. Fellas, you get it. You can have two, but not 40 of them. <laughs> 40 is too much. I don't know what you speak of. <laughs> You're a wise man. <laughs> Shotty, you know? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Hit These the like written by 85 South. Hit the like button. Hit the like button <laughs> and share. Yes. Hit the like button and share. So, okay. So, being that, so should they invest in, so Apple, Microsoft. Yes. And, and two two indexes, right? Yeah, VTI. Yeah, people have been asking, like, if I don't want to do the indexes, what space, what sector should I invest in? Healthcare. So the two big players in that space, Eli Lilly and Johnson & Johnson. Yes, I know Johnson & Johnson has done some nefarious things in the past and they've been sued for it. Um, but those are the two big players for sure in that space. Like, you want safety, but even in that midst of having something safe, like when the entire market was going down, Lily was still producing a great return. So was Apple. Like you want to mitigate the risk on a downside. Like you don't want an investment that could drop 95% and then potentially put you out of business. Cause then, um, especially for our community, like if you see an investment go down like 85%, 90%, you may not ever want to invest or deploy capital again, or your feelings and emotions may be hurt so bad. It's afraid to even put money in a safe investment at that yeah. point. What if, the end, like you'll see like Michael Burry be like, well, the index bubble is going to pop and everybody messages me. I'm like, if Vanguard goes under, America's done. Like if them and BlackRock go under, Big trouble. we have bigger problems to worry about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, start with safety first. But if I had to add a sector, it would definitely be um, healthcare, which is done. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things when you, you invest in, in sound companies, from a psychological standpoint, you, you just feel more at ease. Absolutely. Right. Like when you yeah, when you, you you pick a company and this has happened to me before, fully transparent, and that investment goes down 70%, 80%. For the average person, it's like I'm not even gonna open my brokerage account anymore. I don't even want to open it. I'm not opening this app. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see I know, it. I know it's there, right? But when you're in sound companies, mm-hmm. it's a different feeling. It's just yeah. a di- psychologically, right? Even if it's down five percent on the day, it's like, okay, well. I understand this company. I understand the fundamentals. I believe in the business structure here, the model here. It's yeah. going to be here for long term. Um, it's just a different thing, man. Yeah. Strike is a dark horse we talked about in the healthcare yes, space. Yes, we did. But, yes, we did. Um, but yeah, just invest in A, like the best companies in the world, but the most important sectors. Um, I mean, of course, Ozempic is going nuts, but. Uh, and I've said it last week, and it's not that I want us to profit off the sickness of Americans because we get poisoned first. Um, but if you don't think that the citizens are going to get healthier, then the alternative for your portfolio is to invest in healthcare companies long term. Like I think it's in 2030 that 52 percent of all Americans in the United States of America are set to be morbidly obese. If you compare that to 1940, only nine percent of the population was obese. If you don't think that was planned, but this is the game. You see a problem, you spot a solution, you try and find out how to get arbitrage in that and how to profit off of it as a result. Um, it's unfortunate. The laws won't change because they lobby like crazy 
Um, but yeah, Johnson and Johnson and Eli Lilly are two of the best in the healthcare space to invest in for sure. Yeah, I, I was um watching what the health this um weekend with my my son. So he he uh he he's going back to being a vegetarian. He was born a vegetarian, then he started eating chicken. Then after watching that, he said he wants to be a vegetarian again. But they were saying that one out of three um people will have diabetes in the next like twenty years. Mm. Um, so 30 thirty percent of the population will be diabetic. Um, so yeah, it's 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 moving in the direction of um danger. Yeah. Uh so um yeah, unfortunately. 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 But um yeah, the the medical companies look like they're gonna continue to make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course for sure. This is live, ladies and gentlemen. This is live. Yes. Share with your aunties, your friends, your your lover. <laughs> Your side lovers. These are just jokes. But please share. <laughs> Let everyone know when we're here. I do have to ask you guys. Um, th- I want everyone to tune into the episode tomorrow. But what are like three lessons that you learned from interviewing Ice Cube that were not talked about on the show? Um, a few lessons that I learned from interviewing Ice Cube. Uh, man. I you learned- gave the game up early on the media play. Now you don't want to say nothing. Come on. <laughs> Like, I learned give too much. <laughs> I learned the power of post production. You know, one. Of, I'll give some mm. some some hints away. You know, he said in the interview. He actually said this in the interview that he um the first time that he saw Boys in the Hood, he didn't like the movie. Um, mm. he thought he thought it wasn't he thought he wasn't good, and he was mad that he actually even did it. And the reason why he didn't like it is because he saw the raw he saw the raw edit, and he was like, if you if you never show somebody a raw edit without explaining to them what a raw edit is, mm. and um. He was like, when he saw the final cut, then he understood. So I asked him, like, what's a raw edit? He was like, when you see a movie and, you know, without it being fully edited, like they put the cup down, you don't hear anything. Like a car goes, you don't hear the, you don't hear the sound effect. Like little things like that yeah. make a big difference in, in the movie as far as the post-production. So from a content creation standpoint and from a media standpoint, I understand like what he meant by that. And that to me was one of the biggest takeaways that I got from it was like adding those special effects, adding the different visual experiences to keep the, the, the crowd engaged and, you know, different things like that where the average eye, the average person doesn't really realize it. But that really makes a big difference. And even on, on like to some of these top YouTubers, you see like their videos is. They'll come in, they'll come out, they'll go in different places. Like, you know, they, they catch different attentions. They they got like smoke screens, they stumped yeah. like no, and that's the Mr. same Beast thing. With, a prime example. Yeah, even on a stage show, like if you watch a musician, a very, a very good musician, his stage show, you know, they they, they it's like they go up, they come down, they cut the lights off, they cut the lights back on, they do the spotlight, they do smoke, they and all of that is done to keep you um stimulated. So uh, I feel like, you know, that was something because to hear from him, like, you know, somebody that's been in Hollywood for 30 years and has done everything from produce to write to act, you know, it was a lot of game as far as like, you know, how to produce a film, how to, um, you know, all of that type of stuff. So little things like that, like I picked up on my, like, oh, all right, like I understand yeah. what you're talking about. So that, yeah. was, that was dope. Yeah, I think you he, where Shai just ended off is where I was starting. Um, it was remaining a student. Um, mm. You know, he, he 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 spoke about getting into the the space of entertainment outside of being a, a, a hip hop artist. 
becoming an actor, the influence John Singleton had on him and how he became a student of his. Anytime he needed advice, he was looking to him. Um, so when you look at his credits, when you're talking about directing, producing, acting, screenwriting, creating a soundtrack for a movie, like he's done all those things. In fact, he's yeah. done that for only one movie he's produced on. And I'll let him, when you watch the interview, you understand why he did it. But just remaining a student and all that, why he has a music career. And then the other part, it was like, how to, you know, we talk about in business, like sometimes we look at some of uh, the people we grew up in our neighborhood and we, we, you know, they sometimes they make the wrong choices and they don't realize that their skills are transferable. When I asked the question about, you know, that process of writing an album and writing a screenplay and, you know, how he breaks down the process of it, it's like these skills are transferable. I'm like, when did you find even time? He's like, I, I, you know, I, I used to write in my my spare time. Like when I was in between things, like that was a hobby of mine, writing movies. I'm like, wow. But that skill of actually writing rhymes, you don't realize it. It's like when I used to talk about like, I didn't really give myself credit for reading, but I used to read the newspaper every day. I just didn't read books every day. I read yeah. the Source magazine. I read XXL. I read the newspaper every day. I read ESPN magazine when that was a thing. But like, I didn't really, I was like, I don't read a lot. Not realizing that, yo, I actually do read a lot. It's just that I'm not interested in these novels. And that later becomes transferable to how, like now, for even when we started on your leisure, was like read every day, read every day, read yeah. every day. Not in the formal way of how people are saying, this is this text, you should be reading text. So skills can be transferable. You just got to realize it and see how you can maximize on them. Yeah, I think, yeah, 19 Keys definitely, he's done the best job at curating that type of experience for the, for the, um, for the visual, for the visual experience. Yeah. Him, shout out to Amechi. Um, everything that they do, it looks like a motion picture even better than, than motion pictures sometimes. So um, he has, I think that's one of the reasons why his show has done so, so well. He's definitely ahead of the curve um, when producing that type of content. He gets it. And when I, I thought of him, actually, when Ice Cube was saying that, um, because if you ever watch high level conversations, he always has like different visuals and music. And it, it yeah. just, it's, it's a different, it's a different visual experience. So, for all you content creators out there, um, definitely check it out, man. Ice, Ice Cube, a lot of game, a lot of game, man. Um, I want to ask you a question. Well, let's talk about this before we go to the next thing. So I put a post up about the largest land um, owners on earth. Mm. So, and I didn't say like number one through four. It's just four um, of the top. Um, so the royal family of Great Britain. Yeah, um, almost a billion acres of land worldwide, including Great Britain, Northern Ireland, um, Canada, Australia, all throughout the Caribbean, a variety of different places. Um, the Catholic Church, millions of acres. So the Vatican um, City is an independent state, um, but then there's millions of acres of global land, and then there's hundreds of Vatican embassies throughout the world which are legally titled to the holy see as an independent nation this one caught people by surprise farmland farmland in china so the chinese dairy farm madujang city mega farm is owned by russian and chinese owners the company owns more than 22 million acres of farmland in china and then of course the saudi Royal family controls 830,000 square miles of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and 
variety of international holdings. Um, so this post semi controversial. I'm not sure why. Just yeah, I would ask you why, why do you think it's controversial? Well, why do you people, think it's people, you know, people have strong opinions. Um, about you know how, especially when it comes to the royal family and the Catholic Church, rightfully so. But I didn't give an opinion. It wasn't an opinion based post. It wasn't saying like you should aspire to be these people or this is it's just this is what it is. Like you know, what I mean, I'm not saying that they got it the right way that they deserve it. That's that's another conversation for another day. Just the fact of these are the people that own the most land in the world. And then there's other there's other people too. McDonald's owns a lot of land. Um, the Mormon Church yeah. owns a lot of land. Um, oh, so okay, I was gonna say the Gates, Gates Foundation. Yeah, yeah. So these aren't just yeah. there, there's more people, but this is just you know a couple. Um, but it's just interesting because um, a lot of times people don't necessarily think about um, different entities that you know when you just see different things. You see you see churches. You see churches like when they when Ray Kroc was like McDonald's is not a burger it's not a burger company it's a real estate company right no. and it's like all right well now the Catholic Church is a real estate company not to say that it's, it's obviously a, a religious organization but it owns more real estate than almost anybody in the world right the this is this is done intentionally so. It's just it's just the interesting perspective on, you know, just looking at things differently. Because now when you see, you know, the Church of Notre Dame or you see, you know, the cathedral on Fifth Avenue is good architecture. And, you you know, you see people going there for Easter. But then it's like, well, how much is this building actually worth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that article came to be, be um, right around the coronation of uh, the King of England. And we saw about the amount of property. I think it was over some billions of, of dollars in, in property. And we're like, well, what's the, where are the estates? And then you look at what these estates are worth. You talk about uh, Buckingham Palace worth over yeah. $4 billion. And you look at all these palaces that are now under his reign. It's like, wait, wow. Like, you're not, you're not thinking of it. Well, you know, we talk about the British rule and we talk about the land. We talk about the real estate play, too. It's like, man, th this, this is done intentionally. And this is strategically done for generations when we talk about generational this is beyond that yeah any thoughts on this ian uh yeah xander says hi <laughs> um <laughs> he's like are you on stage i'm like no but i'm doing a show um but this is why i always say study the top five like you don't have to listen to me like study the top five governments top five countries see where they are buying what they're looking to buy and what they're sure because they have to also deploy capital because they need a return of course uh, the church organization is non-taxable, so there's some benefits there. You you also told me what, what was that two weeks ago about uh, the sixty minutes piece. Oh yeah, I don't know if we want to that. But there's some yeah ruins well, there. Doing yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody should. If you haven't watched that sixty minutes piece about the the Church of Latter Day Saints, is very interesting. That's the Mormon Church. Yeah, and um, they have so. <sighs> They're obviously tax exempt organization, like as all religious organizations are, mm -hmm. but they have an investment arm. Um, so this is the thing about just charities in general. A lot of people don't know. You, know, you only have like most charities are only actually using like five percent of the money that that they actually 
um, bring in for charitable endeavors. Yeah. Like 90%, 95% goes to operational expenses. Um, but they have a huge investment arm um, over probably, I think over like $100 billion um, that, you know, from excess of tides, mm-hmm. like leftover, um, that they actually are investing. So it was a whistleblower because this guy used to work on Wall Street and then he he started um, managing the funds for, for the church. And like I said, it was like $100 million, something like that, um, mm-hmm. the investment fund. So um, he 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 whistle blew the situation pause um, because he was saying that they were using the money for for-profit organizations. They were using the money yeah. for for-profit gains. So they was like buying buildings. They was putting money into companies, different things of that nature. So he was saying like, he felt it was just a conflict of interest that they were using um, donations for church, yeah. which, and they don't, you know, it's, it's tax exempt on a nonprofit side. They don't have to really report too much information. Yeah. So, um, and then they were, they were buying for-profit, Entities, right? So the the numbers were, they received seven billion dollars in contributions from seventeen million members. They have one billion. So we said one hundred one billion in a reserve fund from Tides uh, that go into the nonprofit. The name of the nonprofit was Eastside Peak. If you watched the, uh, the segment, you can follow this along, uh, which allows it to grow tax free. So that money has grown. That money that was in that that fund has grown to a hundred billion. It's a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, hundred building fund. Hundred billion. What have they done with it? Uh, like Shadi said, they bought them all. They bought them all. <laughs> they bought them all, and they bought an insurance company. Two things that they. Per- the great, yeah, the second was a great investment. The premiums on an insurance company is a great, great investment. But that's why I say study. Like even that, when you're looking at a stock, uh, please write this down. You want to see what the institutional ownership is. Like even if you're investing, like say real estate in a city. You want to make sure capital from bigger players are going there first. So as a retail investor that you're safe, um, it's it's unfortunate, but they lobby to make these rules so that they can build these kind of funds and then keep the profit for themselves. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole elaborate thing. So like under the SEC rules, right, any fund that has made over 100 million must report filings. And so they've responded by creating shell companies. So game is a game. The game is the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so let's talk about the bull market. Is the bull market here? Are we in a bull market? And if so, how long will it last? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Is this something that we should look at? And because I guess Michael Wilson of Morgan Stanley states that his latest rally is a head fake at forty two hundred level. Mm-hmm. Um, is he correct or should we continue to buy at this level? I mean, I definitely wouldn't buy the S&P 500 at 4,200 flat or above because it's a little bit too high. I like to like going back to the Sam Zale thing. I like to wait for discounts, but they're pushing us up higher. I mean, the S&P opened up this year at 3,909. We're at mm-hmm. 4,216 some change. And this is why I always say like, regardless of war, recession, election, scandal um false positives like extinction level events that are being predicted they are always going to find ways for the market to go up that like i always say the market is rigged to go up and because if not the number of people that will leave hedge funds and banks are it, it it would bankrupt the country 
so that they are going to find ways. Now, I don't like that there's only maybe 30 or 40 companies that are of incredible value to push this up. And it's a lot of the mega caps pushing everything up. But um, this bull market is here to stay. Now, the, I always have said that the stock market is detached from what's going on in the actual economy. It's two different games. They're not a pure reflection of one another. But, um, yeah, the S&P is up. If I look at NASDAQ, NASDAQ is growing too. NASDAQ opened up at 11,090. We're at 13,941. We'll talk about the, the Japanese market, but the, the Nikkei opened up at 25,935 this year. We're at 31,000. We're clearly in a bull market. Now, will it stay? That depends on a few things, and this debt crisis is one of them. But mm -hmm. um, for right now, no, we, we are up and it's stuck right now, currently. It's up and it's stuck. Yeah, I feel like. Eight months ago, we were talking about what would 2023 look like when we were talking about, well, we know that interest rates are going to stop rising at some point, And I think we, we might be there if we're yeah. not this quarter. We'll find it at, at the next Fed meeting. Uh, we saw inflation slow down. Uh, and I remember talking about earnings and everybody was very skeptical about first quarter's earnings and second quarter's earnings and how companies were losing money. And we've pretty much seen a lot of companies. They didn't. They didn't lose too much. Uh, well, right? we got to be honest about that. They revised guy. Even Apple. Let me. Y'all. Apple has. Well, Apple has revised. Well, they revised, but they still made nearly a hundred million last quarter. That's true. And, right. So, and they we, finally we, put in the, like the iPhone sales data now, like when right. they counted. But so, even a, a company like Amazon, they did over hundred million. So, like when we're talking about a gross pullback in some of these earnings data, because of what inflation, the impact that inflation had done in twenty twenty one, and we're looking at it. Is it really as bad as we thought is my question? Or did we over, over try to anticipate something that was going to be extremely negative and it's not looking that way? Well, I'm going to give a little, I won't say pushback, but feedback. I'm going to go back to that yeah, that's I stated earlier. 35% of San Francisco real estate is currently vacant. I haven't got the numbers from New York, yeah. Chicago, and Miami. I would assume New York is probably at 20%. Car commercial real estate? Yep. You think it's higher? Um, I think they said twenty. I mean, yeah, I think uh, I might, so, might be more. Might be more. So sure. in a, in a four or five major markets, that's correction territory. Mm -hmm. Well, here's uh, the thing. I, so the crazy thing is, I live across the street from a um, I live across the street from an office building, a mall, and an office building. Do you ever see anybody in there? They're all vacant. Even when I, I like, go through Hudson Yards, Hudson Yards, anybody? Do I ever see anybody? I'm saying I don't, I don't think I've ever seen like the one across no. me. The office building? Yeah. It used to be. Okay. Once COVID came, I don't think they never really reopened it. Mm. But so that's three, that's three commercial properties that yep. are vacant. So I mean, I think it's a reflection. I think the, the economy is a lot worse than what they're saying, but I think they're playing a three-card Monty game. Like they're they're taking the companies that are doing incredibly well, overinflating some of the gains in the stock market to make it seems as if everything is stable when the overall economy is not doing incredibly well. Yeah. The, the recession is secular. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here. so now I, got, I, I mean, based on what you're saying, so like, and this is what, what Dave Gross was saying too. Real estate is on the clock. Commercial real estate is on the clock. It's on the clock. Yep. So here's, here's the thing. Here's a, here's a hot take. Uh Oh, let's go. Um. So. All right. This is a two part question. Um, if like, you know, like the Mormon church, right? Like they, they got a whole expose going on about that situation. 
what would, what would you think would happen if like let's say like there was like a united baptist association whatever and like all of the money that black people give to churches and they had a like an, a huge investment arm and it got to let's let's say a billion not a hundred billion let's say a billion dollars mm-hmm. and they were buying property and they were doing different things in nature how quickly do you think the fbi would seize everything and, and <laughs> this is a hot take or a hot what? question what FBI? Every alphabet boy would be looking. SEC, FBI, D. It'll be everybody. The hot takes coming next, but this is a question. Um, in, in less than one quarter, about two quarters max for sure. Give him a quarter. All right. The next that this is a hot take, and I don't want to offend anybody's religious beliefs, but I know a lot of people donate a lot of money to religious organizations. Um. My thing is like these are the thoughts of Rashad of Earn Your Leisure exclusively. No, no, I mean my thing is like the the Mormon Church thing is interesting because it's like they actually are created a whole investment firm. Mm-hmm. They created a whole investment firm based off of donations from the church, but it's ultimately benefiting the whole greater community in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. That's their stance, right? Um, that could potentially happen with any organization, right? So there's a lot of mega churches. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that that give money, ties, black churches. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of, they might have one, but I've never heard of an investment arm started by a mega church or a group of churches coming together and putting together a $100 million are you saying that they, that they should? Why not? If it's legal, yeah. I think that's, legal, that's the part. I know it, it is legal. It's yeah, what it's they legal. invested in. Right. They, right he's right. saying like they inve- you can invest the money just in stocks, right? Like he's saying like they're investing in like like for, you said for profit. When you buy like a mall or an insurance company, that's complicated. But you can invest the money in stocks. You can invest the money in different things. So to then give it back to the people, because what I'm trying to prevent is oh boy from YouTube clipping this up in three months. I mean, well, no, I, that's what I'm saying. The whole yeah. point is that if it's if it's for the greater good of the community, right? Then, because if you if you're giving money as a donation, mm-hmm. you, you're not really planning on getting that back anyway. So it's like, all right, now if the money's actually invested, and it could potentially go back into the ecosystem as opposed to just building a nice building. Buildings are important, yeah. but what if it was like? Even if a non like, what if that money was reinvested in, and now you have a daycare center? Yeah, that that was it. So or now you have an elderly home right. facility, feeding, feeding the elderly, feeding the homeless. It's a good idea. It's actually a very, it's actually a brilliant idea. Housing. It's, a, it's actually a very brilliant idea. You take the charity money, you invest it, the money grows, and now you use that money for good. In theory, now they say that they wasn't using it for good. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you took a, if you took ten million dollars, you invested it, that money grew to fifty million dollars. You use that $10 million to get a nursery school. You got um, a homeless shelter. You're doing different things. Like now you actually are rebuilding a community. And the people are going to give money to charity anyway, right? So if they're going to give money to charity, why not have it actually going towards something that's really beneficial? You could. You could. And you probably should. And one of the things that was part of that, that piece was like, as a religious organization, they don't have to even fully report all their financial information, right? So you could say, like, I'm investing in this, but you don't have to, right? You could just be doing it. So that was one of the things that was like, yeah, 
and I feel like there are churches that have done it, but I think the key thing to what you're saying is that there hasn't been a unified organization. Yeah, like right? I said, like people not, do like of course there's, there's one off there's one off church. I'm sure right, there's a lot of different. But that feels that feels like I'm a microcosm. Like, what I'm saying is as, as a collective. A, that's what I'm saying. That feels I'm like, not attacking I'm, anybody. Like I'm not, wait, let me let me just finish this. That that feels like more of a microcosm of like our community on many levels, right? Like even in business, why don't we work together? Why aren't we doing this? Why? So like even for the black church, it, it's still fitting in that same right. There's plenty of black churches. How come we're not unified? Like if everybody came under one umbrella. Oh, we got different denominations. I get it. But if we're all. That's what I'm saying. One offs are not going. You, you can't. It's not. It's you not. You might be able to buy like, you know, a building or like 10 properties. That's beneficial. But yeah. I'm saying like it's going to take 500 churches to come under one umbrella. And like we all going to put money into the pot. We all going to have Ian invest the money for us. And you know what I'm saying? No, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's I ain't gonna end up on nobody YouTube. I'm good. JP Morgan sent my check. Medicine, my check. I'm trying to retire. You know what I'm <laughs> I'm good. I tried that. The whole the whole collective culture <laughs> thing. I'm cool. Don't alert me. For the, for the culture. Hey. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, and, well, any thoughts on that or no? Um, have you, well, since Ross and Envy are getting into it, I'm a segue. Um, Will you send an apology through chat GPT to Joe Button or no? <laughs> Shout out to Joseph <laughs> Button. That panel idea I had fired off. Y'all gonna make that happen. Invest <laughs> fest. Boy. Invest fest. fest. Get your tickets to Invest Fest. Big surprise. Shout out to Joe. I think it, it could be a great idea, but there's always issues with uh when that kind of money comes in, greed, how to properly account for it, how to disperse funds um also too just the regulation is tough like in an ideal world yes everybody will put in twenty dollars a month to or twenty dollars a week to a entity and funds get dispersed but whenever we seem to do those kind of things it doesn't end up in our favor because even if you look at the the catholic church that's the same thing like Mm -hmm. there's millions of catholic churches right but they all are under the one umbrella they all give the money back to the Vatican a certain part. And then that's how they're able to acquire. So that's how they were able to acquire more land than mm-hmm. anybody else in the world. It's not because Catholic Church of Brooklyn did it and the Catholic Church of New Jersey and then the Catholic Church of Alabama. And they're all doing their own individual things like. They're all under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's like a now it's a real business. Yeah. But we have to give everyone credit who is here because they are a part of the building fund group, right? For yeah. capital management by actually being a part of the hedge fund that is Market Mondays. So, and yeah. if I've made you money, please put yes in chat. Let me get an amen. Yeah. I'm not saying that, like, like that's how, like you said, it's not happening on a large scale. But like even like in the Rochelle, like shout out to my church, uh, New York Covenant, like that's happening. So like they have the property now. The church is at the the bottom of, of the 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 building, right? Mm-hmm. The infrastructure. And then you have units, but the church, they own it. Yeah. But it's not done on a large scale. I get large, larger scale. Yeah. All right. Um, Can okay. we talk about OpenAI real quick? Because I think yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, um, so go. Seth, yeah, Sam Allman, he met with Congress to discuss AI regulation. So do we think this will ultimately stifle or accelerate innovation in the AI space? I got a hot take here, too. They're watching. <laughs> They're watching, and I saw that post you put up uh, earlier today uh, with the, the fake news uh, about the Pentagon. Um, yeah. And you can see, like, the, there are some setbacks, there are some some downfalls, and some some things that are not. I mean, they're not going to be worked out because it's su- such 
uh, a new thing and it's in its infancy stages, but they're watching. They're very aware of it. Now the, the part is how do we regulate it? I don't, I, it, it's a conversation that we have with a lot of people. I'm just not sure how you do it um, from a, the standpoint that yes, it's a global issue, but these are United States laws that they're trying to pass. Yeah. And so how do you stop something that's global with laws that are very regional? Right. How do you even regulate it? We, we talked about with people and their music and like their voices. And I, I, speaking of Cube, we heard Cube saying that he's trying to file a lawsuit for anybody that tries to use his voice. But I'm just like, all right, well, that might work here. But, you know, somebody in, in China is already doing it. Somebody yeah. in, in Europe is already doing it. There's somebody in South America that's already on top of this. How do we make something that's global, uh, something that's regional with as, as far as our laws? And I'm talking about the United States, something that's a, a, a global issue. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's no stopping it. It's no stopping it. It's only it's at the infancy stages. So I think we'll definitely try to regulate it for sure. But um it's it's one of these things where it's just gonna be moving too fast and it's gonna be difficult to really um to really get a hold of it. And I feel like, you know, what we see now is just like the infancy stages of what we're gonna potentially see in the in the next ten years. So um yeah, you better you better learn about AI now. And immerse yourself in it as much as possible because it's here to stay. It's not like it's going away. It's not like an NFT where it's like, all right, NFTs, it, it might not be a board eight yacht club in three years. Like, let me like shout out to the NFT community. They kill us every time I mention NFT. Shout out to y'all. I'm just saying, like, this is something that, you know, is here um, and it's going to be more pervasive in everyday, day to day life. And I don't see how it doesn't um, infect, every, infect everything that we're actually doing. So, yeah. AI, artificial intelligence, here, here to stay for sure. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Sam's testimony is that it felt like he went to Congress so he can be the king of the AI space and he's pulling up the ladder on everyone else. So if he's saying, hey, I'm going to play ball, let's regulate immediately. Well, you're saying that you want regulation after you've already gotten the money from Microsoft. And after, I mean, Elon said it like Elon put $50 million right, right, right. into open AI, got pushed out, no equity. He's making his own. So it feels like Sam and the team at open, shout out to you guys. I appreciate you. Love you dearly. You love the innovation. The greatest thing since the wheel, yada, yada. But it feels like they're trying to block everyone else out. So Google's bar product is pretty good. Not as good as ChatGPT. Um, currently at the moment, but it feels like he went to Congress to plea for assistance to regulate after he's already had a lead to keep the lead away from everyone else. Now that they're finally in the app store, I know um, game changer, game changer, but Apple now is going to get 30% of their revenue as well. Mm-hmm. So for those, whenever I keep railing on Apple, like Apple is a legal cartel, get 30% of all revenue out of the app store, say an amazing innovation from a business model standpoint. So they'll be getting a percentage of that revenue, but I just didn't like the fact that Sam being an entrepreneur, as long as he has been going to Congress and stating that he wants regulation to block everyone else out from the space. Who should do it though, right? Like if you think about the face of this space right now, current day, he is the face of it, right? Because he is- Yeah, but but you can't go to the feds and say, lock everybody up after you brought the boat over. Like what? According to to young, Little Dirk. Yeah, come on, man. Listen. He said that boy told. He said that boy told. He said that boy told. If you're a rat, I hate you. If you're a rodent. I hate you. He said that boy told. I'm just saying. When asked the question. Uh, oh, my gosh. What happened to Gunner? 
But all is fair in love and war and business, especially when billions are on the line. I do think at some point Google will catch up, but uh, ChatGPT, the pro- they're innovating at a, at a rapid pace. Um, Bard is doing amazing, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Apple does in the AI space. They've been uh, go look at their job board. They've been posting some things there, and with this release of the headset, if they announce it at the WWDC, two weeks, two weeks. I'm looking two forward weeks to it. Yeah, I will say I don't think the product is going to be a hit out of the gate. It's going to be like the Apple Watch. I think it'll be like progressively it gets better, but don't expect for it to come out of the gate and be like that iPhone moment that Steve Jobs had when when he first announced it. I think uh, it may be a little bit buggy. The rollout may not be the best. But maybe in like three or four years, like they'll finally get it down um, and have the software and hardware working in tandem to where it should be. Yeah. That iPhone rollout was crazy. Shout out to Mike. Mike going to destroy me. Mike was the first. I know Soldier Boy says he was the first person with an iPhone. Mike was the first person I ever saw with an iPhone before it dropped. I don't know how he got it to this day. We still don't know. But he definitely was the first. We're going to do something special at InvestFest for um AI too. It, I don't want to talk about it too much, but it's gonna be an interactive experience. Sure. Um, debt ceiling. Will the debt ceiling be settled by June first? Will it be raised? And what is it? And hit the like button and share. By the way, let's get this bad boy up to five thousand viewers in here by you hitting the like button. If not, we can go back to pre-recorded and not be live. That greatly, yeah. You always want, yeah, exactly. Everybody always wants the live recording, so this is live. So help us. A B. The next sixteen weeks, can we go pre-recorded? If we want to get to like six thousand likes, put it on the calendar. At least, at least. So, oh, dead ceiling crisis. What's the deal? Hopefully, the, I think it's a lot of posturing between the Democrats and Republicans. Um, we are spending too much money. That's why I brought up last week about um, our debt to GDP ratio being at 150, um, maybe in six or seven years going to 200%. We're spending too much money. There's funds from COVID that we have not released or spent yet. Um, usually these things kind of happen at the last minute, but it felt like the last time this happened, there wasn't as much tension between the both parties on both sides of the aisle. Um, I think something will get done. I think the deadline, though, to have something on Biden's desk is Friday for it to be able to be passed by June 1st. Mm-hmm. I know there were in talks earlier. Um, shout out to Kayla from CNBC. I know she was reporting on it earlier and they hadn't come any closer to a deal. So um, I do believe that they are going to pass something because I think at this time the country cannot afford to not pay our bills. I think it will cause an existential threat. And on top of it, I think if we are not able to pay these bills on time, it's going to re- reveal the financial state that we're in. The market has not reacted at all. So like, while this news is out, the S&P has still, still been on the tear. NASDAQ has been on the tear. But I think if it gets revealed in what shape we are actually in, it could send the market spiraling down for a little bit. But I think ultimately they will. Um, I think they will get this passed. But this yeah. is most different than, than any other time. I've never seen this much fighting between both sides because normally they fight in public and on TV and then behind the scenes, they're all buddy-buddy. They're really at war this time around. That's the only thing that has me slightly concerned about this crisis. A lot of pandering. I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel like, yes, this is going to happen um, because it has to happen. 
like catastrophes on the other side of this if it doesn't happen. And for all the things that you just named, the, the economic condition that we just came out of with the pandemic, yep. um, I, I know uh, Jamie Dimon was saying this is something that would be even worse, right? Janet Yellen was saying like, this is astronomical. Like we have to get this done. Yeah. When you hear words like that, it furthermore lets me know that it's going to get done. If that's how they feel, then it's getting done. Yeah. By all means, necessary, it's going to get done. And our credit rating, credit rating as a country, will be affected. We're double A plus currently. Um, if we default on this, our credit rating will be affected. Which I'm afraid, if that happens, that'll start like a chain of events to make a few bubbles pop, and I think we'll be in a lot of trouble. I'm like, I'm, I'm still. I'll go back to it. Bitcoin not being able to break through thirty thousand and stay above that hitting 27,000. There's a couple of signs out there that the commodities market is drying up. Natural gas is not moving the way that it normally should. While the S&P 500 and 600 are moving, the NASDAQ is moving. But even if you look at like gold, gold is even topping out. So like around that key level of like 2071, you're starting to see some of this be priced in as a preventative measure. Every commodity at one time is like being suppressed or depressed at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little bit worried. I'm not here to fear monger. I know y'all yeah. keep saying that. That's not fear monger. But in the event, let's say it doesn't. Like I'm gonna you... say that too. Quit saying I'm fear monger. Go do your research. Yeah. Y'all be if on it, Instagram all day. If it doesn't, uh, what? Let's just say it doesn't pass on June 1st, June 2nd. What is that market? Is it's gonna look 2021 ish when we saw days where the Dow was down 900 or Nasdaq is down yeah. 600. That's what we're headed for. It'll probably be like a 300-point slot, something like that. It won't be like, technically, they'll have like two weeks to get everything fixed. But as a result, everyone that was already in short will see their shorts get hit a lot faster um, in terms of like the range of profitability. But I think they'll pass it. But if not, yeah, I would definitely be looking for shorts to set up to to ride um, as a result. So Apple is going to debut their um, headset? Yep. How do you feel about that? Um, as I said before, I don't think it's going to be a blockbuster product yet. It's uh, even like the rollout. Normally, like I'll go to Apple rumors or Mac rumors and stuff like that, and like look through the blogs because normally they they'll get the specs out and tell you what the product is going to be like beforehand. There isn't much talk around it, so um, I'm not going to say that I'm worried, but I'm not expecting it to be the new iPhone or AirPods. The wearable space is really key, and they also are looking for a revenue driver to replace the dying iPhone market. Um, so I think in like three years, they'll finally get it together. But I'm not expecting like a rock star product launch and everyone goes crazy and everyone in every city across the world is like lining up for the headset. I think it would be a mistake if they do not launch it at all. Um, there are some rumors that they may not even launch it in June. I think that would be horrible. But at that price point of 3000 I think they need to just bite the bullet, get it out the way, launch it, begin test it, and then let the developers have the way in the app store. More bombs on the heads up. So let's talk about this. Um, you posted it on Instagram where it said, this morning an AI-generated image of an explosion at the U.S. Pentagon surfaced mm-hmm. uh, with multiple news sources reporting it as real. The S&P 500 fell 30 points in minutes uh this resulted in a 500 billion dollar market cap swing on a fake image Mm -hmm. it then rebounded once the image was confirmed fake 
AI is becoming dangerous. So, I mean, even even with us, so when news like that gets reported, the truth is, it's not a lot of humans trading that market. It's the robots and algorithms and LLMs that that are like trading it to take advantage of the news and like the disparity. Because you see, even as we drop to like forty one ninety two, once it was confirmed that it wasn't fake, the market shot back up. So like traders, and this is the job of every trader. Uh, I want to give qu- credit to what a quote is due, but your job is to like trade the direction of the market. So if the market is going down, your job is to short the market. If the market is going up back up, then you have to ride the market back up. Um, so yes, are there some dangers there for sure? Also too, like expiration just had happened on the 19th. Hmm. So that fact, it's not as big of a news. Like it was a great headline. And it goes to the fears of AI, but this didn't, didn't cause like a huge collapse. Now, if we fell, I don't know, from 42.20 down to like 41.70, I would then like have a little bit more concern. But these are really just algorithms trading the news and order flow. And then once everyone saw that it wasn't real, the market went back to the upside. The market closed up today and it's currently up right now. Like as of right now, it's at 42.18.25. S&P is doing fine. Okay. Not that. Can we talk about a market that has been on the rise? Yes. Let's talk about this, man. The Nikkei stock average rose last week to its highest level since 1990. The Japanese stock market has soared to its highest level in years. Mm-hmm. What is going on in Japan? Um, more than anything, so some of the biggest players in that space, um, Toyota, of course, um, Sony, of course, Mitsubishi, and there's a, like three or four other players that are good, but more than anything, people are like fleeing to safety. So like the profitability in those businesses are good. I know Warren Buffett talked about it, but really people are looking for areas to invest going back to what Sam got rest of soul was saying, like being a contrarian. So while everyone was focused on the American index markets, a lot of investors started to flee to go to Japan because China was getting destroyed in the market currently. And there's no reason for that market to go up yet. They went to Japan. The business models and for a lot of these Japanese companies are not great, but for the ones mm-hmm. that are solid, they've done incredibly well. And this goes back to the, like, you have to put the capital out. Like, a fund cannot sit on billions of dollars and do nothing with it. Yep. The Nikkei was the last place of resort. And let's be very honest, and like in terms of the geopolitical risk, the macroeconomic environment, there's less drama there. You don't hear of like, Japan's Elon or like all this risk being levered in Japanese companies. It's really just an extension of the 2020 move. Um, it yeah. went down to like 16,000 in 2020. Now it's at 31,335. So it's been a hell of a run, but it's more of investors having to deploy capital at scale yeah. and finding somewhere to park their money. That That's a great point that you just brought up because I wasn't studying in Japan until I saw Warren Buffett over there. And um, I was watching his interview, and then that's the interview he was talking about TSM uh, on the global impact of that. Yep. And then the final part of it, he was talking about the five companies that he's in, in, investing in out there. So, so let me take a look. Uh, a couple things, and you brought up a good point. The way that uh, funds are giving back now to investors has changed. Mm-hmm. For years, like you said, they were holding on to it. Now they're introducing uh, stock buybacks to, to investors. So these things are different. They're, they're yeah. fundamentally different from what we've seen over the history. Uh, of Japan's economy. The other thing is the interest rates. Interest rates are low. <laughs> interest yeah, rates are low. It makes a difference. That makes a huge difference if it's, yeah. we're talking about businesses. We saw what happens when interest rates were low here. 
during 2020 and what had happened to our economy, especially in the tech sector, mm-hmm. and what happened when interest rates rose and what happened to our companies that were in the tech sector, how they responded in 2021. The other part is, and you brought it up, is what is the conflict that's happening in Japan right now? Yeah. When we talk about the United States, you spoke about the debt ceiling. We talked about inflation, right? We're talking about all these things, geopolitical. We talk about China, the you know, number two economy, soon to be number one at some point. Yep. You, you talk about trying to recover from uh, the pandemic and how that's been stagnated and it's been slowed down by opening and closing and trying to figure out the, the economics behind that. But in Japan, you're not hearing any of these things. Yeah. Again, this is that- a classic case of the side thing becoming the main thing because the main thing not acting right. <laughs> like no one wants the Japanese indexes, right? Mike clipped this up. Nikki clipped this up. Um, but they are a realm of safety at the time when our markets are in chaos. So um, of course I've mentioned Sony, but you have Mitsubishi, Canon, what other notable Nissan. So they're safe ish, but because are there's so much volatility in our markets, especially like for GM. Um, and also going back to Tesla, like the issue of like battery production at scale is one of the biggest bottlenecks for GM for on an EV side until we get that figured out. Um yeah, I mean the market's up fifteen percent in the past six months. Can't argue with it. Can't Can't deny argue. That. Yep. So let's talk about well, ChatGPT actually just released this app. Is anybody using the ChatGPT app? Put it in the in the comment section. I should have took a picture. If you have downloaded the ChatGPT app, I think it came yeah. out last Thursday or something like that in mm-hmm. the app store. So if you have the ChatGPT app on your phone, um, put yes in chat. And if you do have it, um, how are you are, are you currently using it? I mean, I'm not using the app. I'm about to download it right now. But the actual site is the number one site that I use the most. Like, this is actually my homepage on my Chrome browser. So, mm. um, I you know, I hope everyone begins to use it. I've told everyone before at scale, like, I was able to let a few people go to go to their best ventures and journeys, right? And replace a lot of work through that uh, platform. I think this is what I, I think some people are like overhyping when they say like it's the best invention since the wheel and all that. But in the last 20 years, this is the best innovation I've seen, like hands down. And it's only getting better. Um, the, the race is going to be between them and BART. For everyone who's going to ask, like, how do I invest in AI? Microsoft is an investor in OpenAI, which makes ChatGPT. So you can invest there. Them and Google are like the AI play, if you will. Um, and then NVIDIA. I can't, once again, I mean, I talked about it last Monday. I think NVIDIA may have went up like 6% or 13% in mm-hmm. one week. They are going to dominate a particular space. NVIDIA will be like the third player in that space. It's a little bit too high right now. PE ratio is too high. Um, like 72. Yeah, it's insane. So <laughs> you got to wait for it to come down some. But if you're in, continue to hold. Uh, Microsoft, Google, and NVIDIA are the three players in the AI space to be able to take care of it. But yeah, I think uh, the actual app is, is going to have uh, a huge impact on productivity overall. And you're going to have to learn how to use it. There's no way around it. Got to use it. Yeah, I mean, you got to implement it. If you're not familiar with it, get familiar with it. It's easy to download. It's easy to prompt. And the results 
are pretty impressive. Phenomenal. Pretty impressive. Phenomenal. Yeah, Can we do that yeah. or live? You want, let, let's go there. Let's go there. Uh, we haven't done it in a few weeks, so let's go. Let's talk about some of these, these companies uh, and how they're performing and the likelihood that they will stay alive or <laughs> they will be on vital signs. Controversy uh, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We spoke about Micron, and they were in the news today uh, for an interesting reason. They were banned. China put a ban on, on uh, their memory chips. And so for those not familiar with Micron, they are the leader uh in the u.s the biggest u.s memory chip maker um and so china said that it failed its network security review and so uh they have banned it for the time being uh even that being said year to date micron is up 31 percent. so ian doa micron what's your thoughts can't ban a snowman they're not top two but um i would put them probably fourth so if you can't get amd nvidia um and you want to kind of gamble in the space, Micron is, I'm advising not to buy Micron, but I will say uh, Micron is alive and well, despite some of the fear mongering China's been doing. Um, they opened up at $50.56 earlier this year. Like you said, they're at 67 now. Micron will be fine. They're never going to have the edge over AMD or NVIDIA. Um, I will put them like in the same basket as Intel. Um, they're alive. They're alive. Yeah. I will, will not touch it, but they're alive. Yeah. And what, when we, we're saying not top two, all semis are not created equal. Yes. You need to know that. All semis are not created equal. If you're looking at semiconductors, understand the functionality of the company that you're looking at. If we're talking about gaming, we got NVIDIA, we got mm -hmm. AMD. If we're talking about memory, Micron's the leader. That's the biggest, right? So yeah. look at what you're talking, the company you're interested in, and figure out what their specialty is when we talk about semiconductors. The only thing I, in that space is NVIDIA, AMD, ASML. Anything else is at your own risk. I know Intel's been talking about some innovation that they were supposed to do for the last 10 years to get their lead back. It has not happened yet. Shout out to everybody at IBM. But no, uh, NVIDIA, AMD, ASML are the only three that are viable for your portfolio. Top three, top three, top three. All right, let's go to Zoom. Uh, Zoom was was the the pandemic darling. It hit a peak of five fifty nine. Five fifty nine. It was trading at today. It is currently trading at seventy one dollars, seventy two dollars after hours. But it's up seven percent year to date. What's your thoughts on Zoom? Um, I don't think they'll go out of business soon. I'm going to call this one a zombie. It is a dead man walking. Ooh. Um, they have too big of competition between Google. And Microsoft, um, their weight, like their moving average, the 200 day moving average is at 152 bucks. They are at 71 bucks. And I don't see any lifelines, any lines for acquisition because it's not needed. They're trying to drive everyone back to work. So you can't even take advantage of the work from home culture anymore. And people are zoomed out and tired of, I mean, even us, like, we have switched from a ton of issues on the tech side. Um, amazing innovation. Great idea. It's, it's a classic example of a company scaling too fast and then mean reverting back to um, those lows. I think JC said, like, in times of volatility, a company always mean reverts. That is a classic lesson. Once they fell from 588 and went through that 200-day moving average mm. at 210, it was over there, 77. I don't think they'll go out of business, but they will get back to that low, probably a 59 and some change that they were at in um, 2019. I would not touch them. 
We're not touching Zoom on life support. The next two, they kind of go hand in hand with one being the dominant, one being the provider, one being the retailer. Let's talk about Foot Locker and then we're going to talk about Nike. So Foot Locker, ticker FL. If you watched the market on Friday, you saw that collapse. They were down 27% after they reported the sales fail 11% uh, compared to a year ago. They lost $2 billion in the quarter. $2 billion. 1.3, well, 1.93. Estimated to $2 billion. Uh, and they also cut guidance for their yearly revenue by 8%. Not looking good for the retailer. Uh, Foot Locker, what's your thoughts? Um, uh, another zombie. Dead man walking. They, they have no competitive advantage right now. I mean, they are hovering at their 200-day moving average. If you want to swing trade it, maybe you can get in at 25 bucks and maybe ride it up to 30 bucks if you want to gamble. But um, any competitive advantage that they've had is going away. And the interesting thing is in 20 – what year is this? 2016 – no, 2015, they had a double top in 2015 and then in – 2017 at 79 bucks and fell apart and then it did the same thing again in 2019 and 2020 so like while most companies were on fire in 2020 they were having some issues then and they start coming down i would not touch foot locker um and the retail space the retail space overall is getting hammered home depot included mm-hmm. which i do like home depot but foot locker is definitely a company i would not touch with the 100 foot pole it's not yeah, going to so- die but it, it is a zombie it's a tough space for it. And so the reason why we brought up Nike is because uh, Foot Locker, uh, their biggest account is Nike. Uh, 65% of the inventory that they purchased in 2022 was from Nike. So if Foot Locker takes a hit like that when they drop 27%. That's also going to hurt Nike's overall numbers. Uh, Nike was down uh, 6% on Friday. It is down 7% year to date. Down 4% on Nike. Day. Yeah. Um, and before everyone goes blaming Ja for their fall, it, he's not the sole reason for the company not doing well. The open of Nike was 11767. It's at 110 right now. Margins is just being compressed like crazy on Nike. Um, Nike is alive and well, but I would not buy it right now. I wouldn't touch Nike until it got to about $75. Um, the last few months have been really rough. Institutional ownership is really high, which is amazing. Volume is good. Market cap is amazing. Um, but I wouldn't touch this company right now. They are alive and well, but I wouldn't touch it until 75. 75. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Let's go to the healthcare space. Uh, we spoke about Ozempic. Uh, let's talk about Pfizer. Ticker PFE. They are down 24% year to date. Their weight loss drug is, is not meeting the standard. Everybody's talking about how it's inferior to what the product that Ozempic has put out. What's your thoughts on, on Pfizer? Um, I like Pfizer, but it's not better than Lilly or Johnson & Johnson. I can argue that it's not better than Riker, although it's not a head-on competitor, but in the healthcare space, I just have to look at who's better. Um, Pfizer is decent, but I, if I had to pick between them and Lilly, I'm hands down going to do Lilly, even though they're a lot more expensive. Um, Pfizer is not dead, but I would not touch this do not touch for sure don't look decent i'm gonna yeah. give you this is a sleeper one here uh when you put this in the chat i said ah oh, ian's giving him a sleeper all right owens corning oc is the tick everybody put that in your notes right now owens That's corning the- ticker is oc they are up 27 percent for the year year to date they are an american company that develops and produces insulation roofing and fiberglass compositions and related materials and products and i looked at the chart for the year to date i looked at the two year i said all right there's Something going on here, but I looked at the 10. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about OC. 
for those of you that are in the real estate space, construction space, there's two historically that I've always told you to get Home Depot and Lowe's, but um, OC is like the third component. And I can argue that they are the best out of the three. Now at 109, I would not touch it. They recently hit a high of 112.17. That's normally an area of resistance for them. They opened up at $86 this year. They've been on a tear. I will wait for a pullback, but OC is something you definitely need to put on your watch list and during a recession. Um, they have the capability of doing pretty well. They had a low in 2009 that got down to like $5.08. And then 10 years later, it was like at 86 bucks. So it's a multiple of like nine. It's one of those companies that is really boring that no one ever talks about. But if you want to invest in something outside of tech or if you, you are in real estate or construction, um, Owens Corner is like a superstar. It's like a Kawhi Leonard sleeper, not talked about a lot, but it's going to perform consistently. All right, let's talk about one of my favorites. I'm a big concert guy. Everybody knows that. Got a lot of concerts this summer. I'm headed to Live Nation, LYV, uh, up 23% year to date. They reported their uh, earnings uh, a couple of weeks ago. Live Nation posted a record $3.1 billion in revenue, yeah. up 73%. Obviously, with more venues opening because of the pandemic, that helped. But they set a record. They had 19 million people attend events across 45 countries in the first quarter alone. Jesus. Summer months are coming. A lot of festivals, a lot of concerts, a lot of shows. What's your thoughts on Live Nation? Um, Live Nation is alive and well, no pun intended. But I wouldn't invest here at 84. I need to for them to pull back. So th this year they open up at 70. Um, I like it either, either at 70 or $51 flat if it ever gets to the level. I don't know if it will. But those are the two zones I have mapped out for it. Um, Live Nation, I mean, of course, like the concert space is cyclical at best. So it's one of the ones that you are going to have to like monitor and look at year over year and not expect like 25% mm -hmm. growth in a quarter. If you're holding it for the long term and you got in around 70, um, you're great. I know people who got into it in 2020. If you caught it in 2020 and have held it, you are a rock star and you're doing good. But this is a classic case of a pretty good business, but the price where you get in matters the most. So I will hold off to get in until 70, but long-term, I think it will be good. All right. And then while we'll, I'll close it out with the earnings this week, like we said, it's a big week for retail. Uh, Lowe's will be reporting. Dick's, BJ's, uh, pause. Uh, Best Buy, Costco. <laughs> Costco, uh, Ralph Lauren, Burlington, uh, but on Wednesday, I'm really looking forward to this. NVIDIA will be reporting. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how they performed in the quarter. From everything we've seen in the stock, it should, it should be a blowout. So, I want to uh, be very clear. Um, Best Buy do not touch. Best Buy is probably going to slide down to like $60.59. It's currently a 70. Not a lot of edge. And also, to, I mean, and if you want to do it as a swing trade, maybe, but if you are – Buying Best Buy for the long term, you're telling me that you think that they are going to outperform Amazon or Target. I wouldn't want them as a competitor. Um, Target and Walmart are not doing the best, so that will be representative of how Best Buy is going to do. But Walmart is holding up throughout this year as well. So, um, Sykes, so this. What does it mean to know your numbers in terms of in terms of investing? Mm -hmm. What are important numbers to always keep track of? And when researching a business, 
what numbers do you look at? Revenue, volume, etc. What are the most principal and crucial to your account? Yeah, shout out to the guy who asked me this on Twitter. Um, so number one, I talked about it here tonight, institutional ownership. So like what pension funds, hedge funds own it? For me, I need the number to be at least at 65% and above. Ideally, I want it to be like in the 70s to 80s. So if I look at Apple real quick, just to give example, um, well, Nike ownership is like at uh, 83%. Um, Apple hovers between like 60 and 70%. So that's one. And how, do you, how do you know that? How do you find out that information? You can go to Yahoo Finance or you can go to Walmart and type that in. It'll tell you. Or even if you have CNBC, I'm not sure if it's the pro app because I have the pro app. But if you go to CNBC, it'll tell you the percentage of ownership by institutions there as well. Um, so that's number three for me. Number one is like market share. So like for a category or space, how much of that inventory in terms of uh, market share and mind share do they own? And then number two, it's not talked about enough. It's a marketing term called mind share. So like when you think of a thing, so if I say basketball shoe, the first company normally pop in a person's mind is Nike. If I say a smartphone, most people are going to say iPhone. Mind share does matter because if the average person doesn't know that you exist, it's almost impossible for you to have a, uh, a stranglehold on your that, that category to be able to monetize from it. And then after that, then I'll go through revenue. I'll go through profit margin. I like for a business to have a good profit margin. So like Apple has a profit margin of 25.2%, uh, which is amazing for a multi-trillion dollar company. And then return on equity and return on capital is important to me. But for me, mind share and market share is first. Then I would go with institutional ownership, and then I will go through profit share. And also, I said it last year, and I'll say it again. If Vanguard and BlackRock do not own them, I do not want to touch them. That is a moat in itself. If you look at Apple, just on how they construct the business model to get 30% of everything in, in the App Store, they act as almost an index fund themselves. So you want safety all around. I'll pull up the stat really quick, which I thought was crazy. We talked about the UK. But Apple has more money than the United Kingdom, Canada, yep. France, Switzerland, India, Australia, and Germany. One company. So when everyone's like, why do you keep mentioning Apple? I'm like, it's up 34% year to date. Like, what else do you want? It is the company of all companies. The one. The one. <laughs> so, yeah. There you have it. There you have it. You want to do some charts? Should we, or have we given the people what, what the numbers? What we got on the live stream? Uh, I am counting six hundred forty-six We'll save it. AB <laughs> next six uh, on Xander until December. Let's let's pre-record. I'm good. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm good. All right. Let's <laughs> be real. Get your well, team 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 Steve Harvey, <laughs> Robert right, Smith. See you uh, tomorrow. Jeezy, tune into tomorrow's episode with Ice Cube. When's asset of reliabilities come? Okay. Oh, couple bombs, couple bombs on the way. Uh, <laughs> Big ones. <laughs> when I saw them baskets coming, I'm like, oh, y'all finna kill. They had the nice handwritten note. This one for Rashad. This one for Trey. I said, oh, y'all yeah, got yeah, some, yeah, yeah. some guests nice guest this year. Okay. Uh, shout out to Revolt. Shout, shout out to the out team. Revolt family. Yeah. Yep. Good people, man. 
Yeah, the whole entire team. The whole team. Tavio, Dion, Michelle. What, what, what was up with the Rise and Fall documentary? What you learn from that? Um, great question. So it's two major lessons. Uh, shout out to Jared for setting that up. But um, the two big lessons, your segues are great too. Well played. <laughs> um, number one, the partners that you pick are the most important thing in your business. So when looking at AOL, so we were talking about the rise and fall of a couple of companies, the AOL, the Time Warner merger came up. They never got along from day one. And at the time, like, this is like the biggest tech startup with one of the biggest legacy media companies ever, but they were infighting from day one. It would be like the equivalent of like Coinbase bought Bank of America, but the cultures were so different. They could have had dominance, but the ego kept them from doing well. And they ultimately end up collapsing. And then I wrote this one down um, for research and motion. At one point, BlackBerry was the hottest phone mm. on earth. Mm-mm-mm. And they like, I don't know why Tim Cook didn't do it, but at one point, Research and Motion could have put in the offer to buy Apple. And the CEOs at the time thought that Apple was like a flash in a pan and that they were going to go under. And we all know the story of Apple eating BlackBerry alive. And then they end up going damn near out of business. Now they're operating on a small you know, uh, scale now doing well in in Canada for like the market that they're in. But like at one time when you thought of like productivities and phones, they were top of mind. So it's like partnerships who you pick as your partners, just like for a man, like the person that you choose to marry or date, like will have the greatest impact on your life. The partners that you pick to do business with are key. Um, and also you have to find ways to put yourself out of business every week when people like your chat GPT is going to be able to figure out the stock market. I'm like, Hey, I hope so. But for me, I'm constantly finding ways or trying to find ways to at scale, put me out of business. Like uh, Ty, stop me if I need to stop talking. But at some point I do want an, an app or something that will be able to give you the prices without me even being here. You have to find ways to kill your business or somebody else is going to be responsible for killing your business. Now, if you have the app already, I'll invest in it and fund it. Good. We can plan my downfall. Cool. But you have to, as Rashad said before, not only will it be televised, but it will be monetized. You have to find a way to put yourself out of business or someone is going to do it for you. So that's my two takeaways. There you have it. Well, it's been real. It's been real. Ice Cube tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Cube, man. Shout out to the whole West Coast. We'll be back out there this weekend for Memorial Day weekend. A lot of love. Um, every time we go to LA, so you know it's vibes on vibes. When they gotta get there? Uh, uh I think uh, Friday. Friday. Yeah. Shout out to the all, all money in team too. Yeah. They, uh, they, can, can we pick maybe like three earners and three pandas and do like a, a little meet and greet situation with the guest in LA? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Possible. Possible. I got an idea. I got an idea. Membership has its benefits. I already know where (laughs) we stand. (laughs) I'm feeling like Tupac already. Let's go. (laughs) It is is May. uh, And so I would be remiss if we didn't. I know we spoke about school last year. A lot of people are graduating from colleges and universities uh, this week and next week. Or they probably graduated last week. So I just want to give a huge congratulations 
to all of our graduates out there, congratulations and, and best of luck in your future endeavors. Yes. Uh, and we missed, but last I think yesterday was Big's birthday. So happy birthday to Big. We got Big's albums up today. I mean, we know who Big is in in, in this this room. Uh, part of the reason why I loved hip hop, and another part is my brother. His birthday is this week, so it's Gemini season. Happy birthday to Hal! He is the reason that I even know what rap is, hip hop is, because he played uh, KRS One when I was four years old, and played Eric B for president when I was four years old. So, my brother, love you, love you, love you. What was your favorite Big song? <sighs> One I more chance. Tough. One more chance is my favorite original song. remix. Remix. Okay. Yeah, Shotty. My favorite big song is um. I know it's tough. I make your mouthpiece so it's like Della Reese. Oh no, my god! I knew you was gonna like little C's. That was hard though. That's that's my favorite. That's my favorite big song, man. Yeah. But big, big got a lot of them. Big got a lot of them. a lot. You got one? Um, the what with him and Method Man off the first Ooh. album. That, that, man, that song was so he got rhyming a month when that came out in the source. Crazy. I got more blocks than texting you. Make it hot. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout Ooh. out to Big. It, yeah. And uh congratulations to Carmelo. He retired today, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to number seven. Yeah, peace. Peace to the God. Stay mellow. Um, before yeah. we leave, shout out to my girl Ari. Um, so she will be at Invest Fest. She had an interesting commentary. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but she said that she does not want to get married to Moneybag Yo because Moneybag Yo has Moneybag Yo has eight children, and her thing is that she doesn't want any of his baby moms to collect child support from her. Hey, we, we get a reverse of all the other times. Shout out to Ari, investing lesson of the month. Yeah, I wasn't even you thinking that. How you liability. That. that was crazy. How you feel? How you feel about that? Well played. Well played. <laughs> well played. Gotta protect the bag at all costs. Ladies, come on, go crazy and come. I worked this hard for your little raggedy baby mama. I saw that. You, you know how to get that's real. Well, she says she she wants to get she would marry him. She just doesn't want to have the legal paperwork. She don't want to get legally married. Legally married. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't legally marry, you're not married. Fellas, they works. catching on to our game. They're, look, baby, I love you, you wifey, but you, you know. my wifey. Yeah, I wouldn't when she said that, I was like, Oh, yeah. I, I guess because it's cool when there. we do it. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm gonna listen. Stop. <laughs> if any woman ever told me, hey baby, how you doing? Appreciate you. We'll call you when I'm done with the show. Um, I don't want to marry you because you're been oh my god, heart gonna sink. What <laughs> risk mitigation is keto. I was Kevin Samuels was alive. His dad adversity passed another week too. God rest his soul. But she well played. Women, you gotta protect. We don't talk about enough in our community too, fellas. I'm not caping, but women get targeted too for like a lot of these money plays and schemes and stuff too. You gotta be mindful. That's why I tell ladies all the time: if they talking, I, I pull up on you. I want to see you. Make them show that investment account. So make them show that paperwork. <laughs> it is what it is. I hear y'all talking. Get out my Instagram comments with yo, yo, you fear mongering. Go buy them fucking stocks. So when you she pull up on you trying to apply pressure, another thing too. If me and you ain't talked in a year and a half, no, I can't get you on stage with Robert Smith. I'm sorry. I gotta do work every week on the show for me to have a chance to be on. Do you zand it to you? Nah, I feel like Ari. Right, nah, <laughs> not gonna happen. 
No, Can't no, do I, nothing I, for you, man. I'm already real Kathy Wood. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Ladies, put in chat. We ain't going for it in 2023. No. Uh, you know she's uh yeah she's gonna be on a vest fest you know she's she's a very smart businesswoman she actually has a line of cosmetics we interviewed her for assets over liabilities and just a good spirit um with a huge huge following on social media obviously but she's been able to leverage her social media she got a cooking show she got the cosmetics line she's doing a thing um but that was interesting so um and we interviewed mary j blige and she talked about the importance of women getting prenuptial yeah um a lot of times you know the prenup is only thought about for men but obviously, you know, Mary's story, Mary, um, she had to pay $30,000 a month. She's still paying it? When the episode comes out, it'll be more detailed, but uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She had to yeah, pay that. Yeah, 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 pay yeah. That. Shout out to the queen, TK man. Voice, who, okay, we can stay on two more minutes. Who raised you? Like, okay, the jokes is one thing, but come on, as a man, how you just take it? You didn't write no songs. Well, that's her thing. That's her thing. They was, no she kids. Like, she like, yo, what kind of, what kind of man takes a woman to court for alimony and they got no children but uh, hustle's a hustle i guess kelly clarkson got got finesse too kelly clarkson 1.3 yeah yeah a hustle's a hustle hey man prayers up People like, you got some more kids? For what? (laughs) For a goal the first time. Mitigate risk. I'm sorry. I am cool. Yeah, I think Whitney Williams' husband might have did it too. So yeah, a few dudes dudes did that. It drove her crazy. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me, but... um, Different times. Yes. Different different cloth. That's a different cloth. You gotta be a different type of person to do that. To take a woman to court for for alimony, that's 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 special. You gotta be a special kind and of person. It's ongoing. Like I, I don't even agree with a year, but if he got off for a year, all right, cool. But damn, you still doing it, yo? And then he probably taking the money and spending it on baddies off Mary's money. What's the what's the the statute on alimony? It depends on how long. It's all up to the judges. Mary should have took that money to Yonkers and spent it another way. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shout out to my people in the bride. Hey, Thirty grand a month. Till you fix this. Thirty grand a month. <laughs> what? You start a whole war for thirty grand a month, boy. Oh, hey, it feels like Ukraine in the Bronx. Really yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Hey. <laughs> Shout out to my brother Yeah Ali. Happy belated birthday, Jay. You just came home from school. It's gonna turn into Monday in, 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 real quick, man. Stop These playing with jokes. <laughs> five South, DC Young Fly. And a there whole good time to five South. Yeah. There yep. you have it, ladies. Y'all want Monet at your doorstep. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Janelle <laughs> Monet. So the video. Shout out to Ty Ty. I was like, yo. Yeah. Shout out to my boss, wife. Make sure you hit him with the prenup. Drake, Drake, Drake said it. Drake said, said it. it. I did another one and did another one. Ladies, you like protect yourself. About the other one. Oh, Ice Cube gave his top five battle songs of all time. It's in the episode. What was hit him up? Hit him up was not on the list. My God, what? Oh, it, was it, was it was on the list. It was, it was on the number list. three. I think it was number three. Yeah, I mean, it should be no surprise what he thought number one was, but uh, yeah, of course, legendary. Yeah. Did he popularize the district track at scale? Mm, no, no, no. Bridges over came out before that. That's true. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. 
The Vaseline is crazy, though. Shout out to the Bronx. No Vaseline. A shout out for Mike B for being in Biggs' doc, too. I hit him the other day like, yo, that's yeah. legendary. Biggs Burks? No, nah, nah, big, no, no, no. Oh, big, big IG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had oh, Dr. Yeah. Angie, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Angie narrated it. It's on Instagram? Nah, it's on uh, one of these streaming platforms. I'm saying he put a clip on Instagram? I ain't seen oh, it. yeah, yeah, he pulled it up. Yeah. She put it up, too. Angie Martinez put it up? Yep. Yeah. Right, I look at it. Yeah, Clark Kent's in it. Shout out to Mike B, man. Yeah, legendary. 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 You know, he's been around for a long time, so shout yeah. out to Mike B, man. Good dude. All right, it's been real. Red Panda family. Ernest, see you in L.A. Yo, yeah, we outside. L.A. it is. Get your tickets to Invest Fest London Father's Day. Uh, I mean, Market Mondays in London on Father's Day, Invest Fest yeah. in August, and we will see you in Los Angeles this weekend. This yes, weekend. be good, man. Love, love is love. love. Peace, Arriba Dirty. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.